for many of our seniors in care, this will be their last home and their last Christmas. Tonight, the health authority being called a Scrooge for not allowing Christmas decorations in long-term care. Plus, the Alberta COVID ad campaign aimed at young people that could be adapted for BC. And why an SFU student says his violent arrest on campus last night was racially motivated. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. A teenager has been identified as Vancouver's 18th homicide of the year. Police say shots were fired just after 8 o'clock last night near East 5th Avenue and Cassiar Street. The victim, 19-year-old Amar Najat Jahal, was discovered in the middle of the intersection suffering gunshot wounds and was pronounced dead at the scene. A gray pickup engulfed in flames was found nearby. Police believe it is connected to this targeted shooting. Witnesses or dash cam video from the scene at around 8 o'clock is being requested. If you have it, please contact police. They've literally just said that there was a shooting. Um, obviously, we, we saw the truck that was left burnt out, but uh, they said they, when we asked on details, like had they caught the people or anything like that, they said they couldn't provide any info on that. Just over a week ago, on December 4th, another 19-year-old was found murdered in Vancouver. Thomas Simon of Burnaby was fatally stabbed near North Templeton Drive and Dundas Street. Investigators believe the incident was also targeted. No arrests have been made in either homicide. In Burnaby, a man was sent to hospital last night with minor stab wounds. RCMP say it happened near Highgate Village Shopping Center. They also say the victim was uncooperative. No word on a possible suspect or motive. Well, as if the year hasn't already been tough enough on BC seniors, some are having their Christmases scaled back. Fraser Health has issued a ban on festive decorations and trees in certain areas of care homes due to COVID concerns. But as Julia Foy reports, some are calling that a huge Grinch-like overreaction. Santa and Mrs. Claus came to the Chartwell Imperial Place Retirement Home to admire the city of Surrey's Christmas portable light display. We want to bring some joy and excitement and especially light. Um, into the community, into um, um, where the seniors are. But the jolly couple aren't welcome inside the facility due to Fraser Health's new holiday guidelines. For many of our seniors in care, this will be their last home and their last Christmas. Fraser Health has been a hot spot for COVID infections, so new rules have been brought in to try and keep the virus away from vulnerable seniors. Santa is not allowed to visit. Christmas trees can only be set in areas where seniors can't touch them and decorations have to be wiped and cleaned daily. It's uh, profoundly sad at a time when people have been separated from their families for the better part of a year. Uh, now they're being told uh, that they have to have Christmas decorations removed from their rooms. No one at Freezer Health was available for comment. I know me personally, if there were decorations in a communal area, I'm going to touch them. But the BC Senior Living Association understands the need to keep the elderly safe. The directive as we interpret it is that if you are going to have decorations, which I believe they should, that this, the appropriate safeguards and precautions need to be taken. At Chartwell's Langley Gardens, management invested in a large outdoor light display to offset the restrictions indoors. 
And I think a lot of them have had a simple Christmas in their lives, and it can still be a beautiful Christmas even with simple decorations. Caregivers say that any signs of Christmas cheer can have a big impact. One of our residents moved in during COVID. Uh, he lost his wife a couple of years ago, and um, he hasn't celebrated Christmas for two years, and uh, this meant a lot to him. If you want to catch Santa with the Surrey display, it'll be stopping at 11 seniors' homes over the holidays. Julia Foy, Global News. Charges have been recommended against Chilliwack churches that have violated public health orders. RCMP say last Sunday they received reports regarding three separate churches holding in-person services contravening the provincial public health order. They gathered evidence and sent their report to the B.C. Prosecution Service. RCMP say they made efforts to educate and gain voluntary compliance of the churches during the first two Sundays under the new health order. On the first Sunday, a Langley church was fined $3,200. A Vancouver limo driver is down $2,300 after being caught violating COVID-19 rules. Police say they noticed a limousine downtown Wednesday afternoon on Robson and Seymour. Police say they found an ice compartment full of fresh ice and a log listing large parties that had recently been there. Under the current restrictions, limousines and party buses are banned from operating. Close to 200 mink have died at a Fraser Valley farm where a COVID-19 outbreak was declared. The situation has raised concern since 17 million mink were culled in Denmark when the disease spread from animals to humans. As Paul Johnson reports, the outbreak has rekindled the debate between animal rights activists and fur farmers. Still valuable for providing the trim on certain brands of winter coats, there are 60 mink farms across Canada and a handful in B.C., which is where an outbreak of COVID-19 happened at an undisclosed farm in the Fraser Valley. The Ministry of Agriculture confirms 200 mink have died, likely infected from farm workers. The ministry says at this point the outbreak is confined to that one farm and that biosafety measures have been put in place to stop the spread but allow the animals to be cared for. There is that risk of a mutation. Scientists say the concern is that interspecies spread of a virus like COVID-19 could upend our hard-fought efforts to stop its spread and develop an effective vaccine. Millions of farmed mink in Denmark were culled recently because of that risk. One of the risks would be that it goes into these other animal hosts and sets up a reservoir. And then after we get on top of our pandemic and we're better, it can res resume and come back to, to reinfect us. So far, there's no sign that's happening. But animal rights advocates say this is a reminder that mink farming, according to them, is out of sync with the values of Canadians. These are highly intelligent, semi-aquatic animals that in the wild roam over huge amounts of territory. Rebecca Aldworth is the executive director of the Humane Society in Canada. We know that three quarters of Canadians and even higher percentages of people in B.C. are opposed to the killing of animals for fur. But the mink industry in Canada is pushing back, pointing out that there's much more space between Canada's farms compared to those in Europe. One advocate says attacking mink farming in a pandemic amounts to a cheap way of trying to score political points. It's too bad that certain groups are trying to use this for their own purposes. I think it's just atrocious at a time when farmers are working very hard. Paul Johnson, Global News. 
Interior Health says Revelstoke's COVID community cluster has been contained. At least 50 cases were identified. Health officials say social gatherings were to blame for some of the transmission and are crediting Revelstoke residents, businesses and the mayor and council for helping to reduce the spread. A few more cases are still expected in the Mountain City and people are urged to continue to follow public health orders. One of the only holiday events allowed under provincial COVID-19 restrictions open this afternoon. The PNE Winter Lights is a two-kilometer drive-through experience on the fairgrounds in East Vancouver. Crews raced to set up the forest of glowing lights after organizers got the green light this past Monday. Full social distancing protocols are in place and attendees stay in their vehicles for the entire route. Tickets are going fast. The event was initially sold out, but more tickets were added online this morning. It's pretty good. Yeah. So far, yes. Enjoying the donuts. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, what do you think of this? This is exciting. It's been emotional. It's been humbling and and we continue, you know, we continue to be inspired by that and we're a small but scrappy little group here. And uh, we've got a little of that east side uh, um, can-do attitude, I think, and we're determined to continue on. Alberta has unveiled a pricey new ad campaign targeting those under the age of 40, the age group most likely to catch and spread COVID-19. As Kristen Robinson reports, public health experts in B.C. say a twist on the same message could work here. virus loves to visit. Mike, how you doing? Oh, wow. Double-dipping eggnog and clad in a Christmas sweater, Uncle COVID shares gifts and dinner, getting close to everyone at a family celebration. What struck me the most was how ugly the, the coronavirus character was, so I think that's purposely done. It's Alberta's attempt to reach 20 to 39-year-olds, the demographic driving the spread of the virus through house parties and social gatherings. And it can actually open up discussions sometimes that are hard to open up in other ways. But misses that part about what we could be doing instead. Blaming and shaming won't work, says this SFU Health Sciences professor, but the $2 million ad campaign's humor will resonate, and it's different. And we all need to do our part. BC is relying on social media ads to share Dr. Henry's message. We are not through this storm yet. Think back to when you were a teenager, says Scott Lear. And our mom or our dad says the same thing we've heard five times over that week. You know, they may be right, but you just tune them out. He feels rolling out someone from that younger age group would draw more attention to the province's COVID press conferences. Even if there is somebody different up there saying the same thing, it would resonate differently. Meantime, Lear is working on better messaging. COVID sucks. Created for and by young adults. The Instagram account, at Home for Holidays BC, seeking COVID-safe videos for tagging and reposting. Your voice, your videos. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Global News reached out to the B.C. ministry to see what Dr. Bonnie Henry or Adrian Dix think of Alberta's new ad campaign and whether we could see something similar here. We have yet to receive a response. All 
all the world's a stage, especially if you don't have access to a traditional performance venue during this pandemic. So one Abbotsford ballerina used Mill Lake Park Thursday night as her stage. Global viewer Misty Bedwell took this video of her colleague. The pair operate a local art school and say there may be more pop-up performances like this one, but they aren't releasing specific times or locations in order to keep crowds at bay. They want them to serve as gifts for whoever happens to be in the area at the time. A situation in Campbell River that could have been so much worse. Have a look at this. Working smoke alarms were being credited with saving the lives of a family of five from a raging house fire in Campbell River. Flames tore through the two-story home on Murphy Street shortly before 9 o'clock this morning. There were five people at home at the time, including grandparents and grandchildren. The youngest was 17. All got out safely. An investigation is underway to determine the cause of the fire, but it's not considered suspicious. Just days after Air Canada announced plans to suspend service out of Penticton Regional Airport, another airline has announced it's stepping in to fill the void. Pacific Coastal Airlines will be launching daily flights between Vancouver and Penticton starting Sunday through Friday, starting January 11th. It's welcome news for the community as local politicians had voiced concern that without regular flights in and out of Penticton, the city's economy would struggle. Some much-needed holiday food and cheer was delivered for some of Vancouver's most vulnerable today. Say hello to friends you know. And the Union Gospel Mission dished up its annual Christmas dinner with heightened pandemic protocols. No dine-in service this year. Instead, staff are providing 1,400 meals to go over the course of several days out of several different locations. People who rely on the meals say it offers a crucial lifeline. This meal is very important, especially at this time with the pandemic on and a lot of things have had to close down and... Uh, there's just not as much happening out here for relief for people that need it out on the streets. And with UGM stepping up to the plate, this is very, very, very paramount at this time of year. A charity event inspired by a man with a big heart took place in Richmond this afternoon. It's the 14th annual Victor Gira Toy Drive. The collection will go to underprivileged kids right across Metro Vancouver. People dropped off toys in a COVID-friendly manner at a Richmond banquet hall. The event is inspired by Victor Gira. He died in 2007, leaving behind a wife and four young sons. And uh, it was found out during the uh, funeral service that he actually used to donate toys to Children's Hospital every year. He'd go in with thousands of dollars of toys, donate them to the hospital, and when they'd ask him, sir, can we get your name, can we give you a tax receipt? He'd say, no, you know what, that's for the kids and that's all you need to know. Over the past 13 years, the event Victor Inspired has collected more than 40,000 toys and has been, they have been distributed to dozens of nonprofit organizations. An annual Christmas tradition is returning to the Vancouver Aquarium in a virtual format this year. Scuba Claus will don his flippers and dive underwater to premiere on his to premiere his online holiday show. That happens next Sunday. The new 30-minute COVID version was produced with BCIT broadcast students and features the swimming Santa with cameo appearances by African penguins, Joey the sea otter, and a friendly sea lion. Tickets cost $10 per household and funds support the aquarium. 
quite a sight from outer space. These stunning images are Saturn and its rings. They were captured by a news helicopter in Washington, D.C., of all things. Over the next 10 days, Saturn and its neighbor Jupiter are appearing closer together than they've been in centuries. It's been called the Great Conjunction of 2020. Glad there's something good about it. The last time the two planets were so close was in 1623. Today is the fifth anniversary of the Paris Climate Agreement, and world leaders mark the milestone with a virtual gathering. The Climate Ambition Summit includes representatives from more than 70 countries, including Canada. All of them are pledging to increase their efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. All of our countries are dealing with the health and economic impacts of the global pandemic. But as we look to rebuilding from this crisis, we must do so in a way that will build back better for all of our citizens. And that must include an ambitious plan to take strong action against climate change. U.S. governors attended the summit, but there was no federal representative. Donald Trump pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Accord. But in a video released today, President-elect Joe Biden said the U.S. will rejoin the agreement on his first day in office. It will be well into next year before most Canadians can be vaccinated, so we all need to stick to pandemic guidelines. In many parts of Canada, we're nowhere even close to flattening the curve. Both Quebec and Ontario recorded nearly 1,900 cases today. Manitoba recorded 360 new infections. There were 274 in Saskatchewan. Alberta reported another 1,590 cases today. B.C. will report its weekend numbers on Monday. Ontario is set to further tighten some of its COVID-19 restrictions on Monday, with two more regions moving into lockdown. The decision to impose the strictest restrictions on Windsor-Essex and York region coincides with new projections that show Ontario could see 2,500 daily cases by the end of the month. It means no indoor organized public events or social gatherings except with members of the same household and includes a recommendation to only leave your house for essential reasons. The latest restrictions will last at least 28 days. The first doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine are set to arrive in Canada on Monday. Long-term care staff will be among the first to be inoculated in B.C. The rollout plan is complicated, and as Jeff Semple explains, transporting the shots is a delicate process. Less than two weeks till Christmas, and UPS workers are preparing for a very special delivery. But instead of Santa, this package is from Pfizer and BioNTech. These photos show the first shipment of COVID-19 vaccines on its way to Canada. We have finally a light at the end of the tunnel. 30,000 doses were picked up from Pfizer's factory in Belgium on Friday and sent to Germany for processing. From there, they're heading to a UPS international logistics hub in Kentucky, transported in these high-tech coolers to keep the vaccine at minus 70 degrees. It's a shipper box about the size of like a carry-on suitcase. And then there's dry ice that goes around it. And then it has actually a device within it that has a continuous GPS and temperature monitor. So we will be able to have uh, continuous eyes on every shipper. By Monday, the vaccines will likely begin arriving at these 14 delivery sites across Canada, except for the territories because of challenges with cold storage. 
you have to have the cold chain, those special refrigerators. And the other thing that's important is that when you do thaw the vaccine to give it, it's very unstable. So even something simple like jostling the uh, vials can uh, destroy the vaccine. Health Canada also warned anyone with allergies to the vaccine's ingredients should avoid it after two negative reactions in the UK. As far as uh, uh, the risk of allergies, we do list all the products that are in our vaccine so that people can see if they have a history against any of those ingredients. The company also concedes it's unsure how long the vaccine's immunity will last. The CEO telling CNN patients may require a repeat. I would not say seasonal, but maybe every two years. But if all goes according to plan, some at-risk Canadians could begin receiving the vaccine as early as Monday. And not a moment too soon. Jeff Semple, Global News, Toronto. Deliveries of the first U.S.-approved COVID-19 vaccine are on their way to American hospitals and pharmacies. The FDA has given emergency use authorization to the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Hospital workers and nursing home residents will start getting inoculated early next week. Jennifer Johnson has more. As about 3,000 Americans a day die of COVID-19, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration commissioner took to the airwaves, assuring Americans the just-approved Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine is safe and is the country's best weapon against this virus. Science and data guided the FDA's decision. We worked quickly based on the urgency of this pandemic, not because of any other external pressure. On Twitter, U.S. President Donald Trump did pressure Dr. Hahn. There were reports the White House threatened to fire him if the vaccine didn't get approved Friday. The FDA chief dismissed those stories as the rollout of the doses begins. We expect 145 sites across all the states to receive vaccine on Monday. Another 425 sites on Tuesday and the final 66 sites on Wednesday. Emergency room Dr. Ben Usach will be one of the first in his state, Colorado, to be vaccinated. I am going to be one of the tips of the spear, one of the first people to step in to help generate this herd immunity, which is so important to us to get a grip on this terrible disease. Already there are concerns there won't be enough vaccines initially for all healthcare workers and nursing home residents. Pfizer BioNTech is exploring ways to scale up manufacturing. We remind the public to remain vigilant as inoculation will take time. Wear a mask, wash your hands, and remain socially distant when possible. Millions more vaccine doses may be available soon. Moderna's vaccine goes before the FDA's advisory panel for review December 17th, as America's grim death toll continues to rise. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Country music legend Charlie Pride has died from complications of COVID-19. Sleeping under a table in a roadside Pride was considered the first black superstar in the world of country music. He won three Grammys and was recently honored with the Willie Nelson Lifetime Achievement Award. Outside of music, Pride was an athlete. He played baseball for the Negro American League from 1952 through 1958, and he stayed a baseball fan. In 2010, he became one of the owners of the Texas Rangers. Charlie Pride was 86 years old.
A dramatic evening for Prince William and Duchess Kate, along with their three children, as they took in a very special theatrical performance in London to thank first responders. The royal family walked down a red carpet among actors dressed as elves. The pantomime honored healthcare workers, delivery drivers, and volunteers for their efforts during the pandemic. William also delivered a short speech to express his gratitude. In Health Matters tonight, more fodder for dogs versus cats debates. Swedish and British researchers have found dog owners whose pets have type 2 diabetes are more likely to develop the condition themselves. But there was no connection for cat owners. The findings show dog owners may share certain health behaviors with their pets, like diet and physical activity. Cats, on the other hand, share fewer habits with their owners. Patients undergoing surgery are more likely to die if the procedure is performed on their surgeon's birthday. A new study in the British Medical Journal finds almost 7% of patients died on their surgeon's birthday compared to 5.6% on other days. The research suggests surgeons may be distracted and rushed to finish their job on birthdays and other holidays. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. If you have an insect problem, this may be the solution or not. We'll explain this right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, poor visibility and slick road conditions caused big traffic problems for people in Surrey this morning. Multiple vehicles that have spun out or collided with each other, uh, mostly on this railway overpass. Yeah, that was the scene along Highway 91 near the Serpentine River in Surrey. At one point, tow trucks were called with more than a dozen vehicles affected. Black ice is believed to be responsible. Delta police have also put out a warning about icy conditions. We are all being asked to drive carefully. Yvonne joins us now with a look at the forecast. And it was cold and foggy this morning. Yeah, chilly start out there, Colleen, and limited visibility with the fog. But we did manage to see some spectacular photos and a nice clearing as well on the way, especially towards the afternoon. Here's a quick glance at what it looked like early this morning. And yes, it was chilly temperatures. And with that frost this morning, we were seeing uh, the fog lifting as we got closer towards the noon hour. But some spectacular shots. This one captured in Burnaby. Thank you so much. Another one in New Westminster. Uh, the viewpoint from Cyprus uh, taken by Natasha and in Pitt Lake as well. We are going to see an increase in cloud cover. It's chilly out there. We're now close to or hovering the freezing mark. We're sitting at one. We've got an easterly wind. It's light this evening at nine kilometers per hour, but we are going to track that change on the way as we get in towards the overnight. The precipitation's going to move in by the morning hours. It'll be rain for most areas, but it'll be cold enough that we've got the potential to see some wet snow, especially for higher elevations and accumulating snowfall with up to two centimeters. By the afternoon, all areas or most spots will start to see that transition over to rain and a cooler day in store with highs just up to five. So the precipitation moving in towards the morning. Higher elevations will be seeing that snow. Towards the afternoon, it pushes in for the interior if you're heading along the mountain passes. Many of the mountain passes, two and up to four centimeters. And then we've got a bit of a break in between systems on Monday where we are looking at the potential for a few flurries or showers and then the next round of rain moving in on Tuesday. Now, for the northern half of the province, we've got a few flurries isolated, especially inland across the central interior. The bulk of the precipitation will move in across the southern interior. That'll be towards 
the afternoon and early evening once again higher elevations and along the mountain passes with a range between two and up to four centimeters and we do have that rain developing for the morning many spots higher elevations westwood plateau sfu the usual spots we'll be looking at wet snowfall soggy looking forecast but the one spot on our monday we'll be looking at just a chance of showers before the next round of rain and heavy at times pushes in for our tuesday wednesday colleen all righty thank you so much a rainy forecast okay mm -hmm. a drone has been converted into a flying flamethrower in a fiery campaign to eradicate more than 100 wasp nests Blue Sky Rescue, a volunteer group that conducts search and rescue and other emergency work, has teamed up with villagers in central China. They raised $12,000 to buy a drone and equip it with a gasoline tank and an arm length of nozzle. It hovers high above hives, large, in a, large as a suitcase, before swooping down. Blue Sky said it has destroyed 11 hives so far, but there are now more than 100 to go. That's just insane. I think they're also giving other people ideas what they can, you know, throw flames at other than, than wasp nests. Don't you know. try this at home. Don't try it at home. <laughs> no kidding. Barry, what have you got coming up? Well, uh, NBA preseason's already started. The Raptors played their first game, so we all have highlights of that. And, Colleen, just for you. What? Bundesliga. Bundesliga. <laughs> you know, love the sound of Bundesliga. He knows I love that word. So we'll have some of that. Okay, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. Have a look at this spectacular light display designed to bring hope and help during the holiday season. Lights, snowmen, and candy canes create a winter wonderland at a Burnaby home. Each year, the homeowner, a BC Hydro employee, builds a mega display all by himself to raise money for BC Children's Hospital. Donations can be made online. It's kind of doubled each year, so last year we raised uh, just over $4,000. Any way we can help them um, is what we want to do, and, and we chose BC Children's Hospital just because Christmas is about the kids, and uh, they helped us back in the day, so we thought we'd turn it around and help them. How nice. Well, from that to this, it appears the Grinch is alive and well in a Minnesota neighborhood. Residents there, who put up rather modest light displays, received anonymous letters shaming them for doing so. We kind of decided because of the letter that it was just finally time to put up our lights. St. Anthony resident Rachel Blodgett is talking about this letter sent to at least four different homes in her neighborhood. They wrote down that one, that one, that one, and that one. In the letter, the anonymous sender addresses the Christmas lights displays in each yard, stating in part, the idea of twinkling colorful lights are a reminder of divisions in our society and systemic biases against neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas or who can't afford to during these unprecedented times. A lot of people felt really singled out and really creeped out that someone came and took down their addresses. The letter went on to ask those who received it to respect the dignity of all people. I think the letter in itself was absurd, but I think the sentiment is incredibly valid. I just don't think that it was gone about in the correct way. At least one of the recipients filed a police report, but St. Anthony police say because the letter was not threatening, no crime was committed. And while it's unclear where the anonymous letter stems from, City Councilman Bernard Walker says these things are better left ignored. They're isolated but very intentional. So the person is getting something accomplished by people drawing attention to it. I say just let it die out because it, it just doesn't represent anybody I know in St. Anthony. 
On the bright side of things, though, for the Blodgett family, if anything, this now infamous letter has inspired a new reason for the season. There really hasn't been much to look forward to, so I think Christmas and getting excited for Christmas has been something positive. Well, after overcoming an overwhelming loss, a B.C. mother and daughter are getting a partial home makeover thanks to a local company. New windows are being installed on Frances Reese and her daughter Kimberly Muir's nearly 50-year-old home in Coquitlam. In recent years, both women lost their husbands. Reese continues to help her daughter care for her three young children. Their aging home is a challenge during the winter, so Muir decided to submit a nomination for the Centra Cares Home Renovation Giveaway. It was the absolute perfect contest for my mom. Um, Her house is always cold, and she is in desperate need of windows. It's been a cold house up till now, and I'm looking forward to a warm house. You too? Yes. Yes. It's great to give families like Frances and Kim's uh, the gift of being able to enjoy their house again. I'm so thankful for this amazing gift. Good for them. Support BC's kids with special needs through Variety's Tree of Hearts. This year, simply donate at treeofhearts.ca while sharing your inspirational message to a Variety child, which we'll post on our virtual Christmas tree. Plus, each day we'll read one lucky donor's message live on Global News Morning. Although this year's Pan Pacific Christmas Wish Breakfast will not be happening, you can still help the Lower Mainland Christmas Bureau keep spirits bright. Your toys and or cash donation can be dropped off outside of the Pan Pacific Vancouver Hotel next to the bellhop desk. Global BC, celebrating 60 years of broadcasting, celebrating 60 years as BC's News. Barry's here with sports, and because of the pandemic, I don't know who, what games are playing, what teams are, everything up is down, down is up. That's why I'm here. Thank goodness. I tell you these sorts of things. You don't have to worry. Leave the driving to us. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, While hockey fans patiently wait to hear when the NHL will start up again, the NBA is already into preseason games with tip-off for the regular season just 10 days away. The Raptors, who will play home games in Orlando, at least to start this season, are in Charlotte, North Carolina, to play the Hornets tonight and Monday. Veteran Kyle Lowry did not make the trip. Load management as they save him for the games that really count. Freddie Van Vliet all smiles. He signed that four-year, $85 million contract three weeks ago. Pascal Siakam looking to bounce back after a tough playoff in the bubble. One of their new big men, Aaron Baines, the thunder from down under. The Aussie national team member hits the nice little shot in the post. He'll give them defensive grit and some scoring. Raps fell behind by 19, but then rallied thanks to their defense. They forced the turnover. Van Vliet to OG Ananobi, who throws down the hammer. Raps led at the half, 58-51. First-round pick Malachi Flynn, comparing him to Fred Van Vliet with his defense and basketball IQ. Oh, he can hit the three as well. He had three of them for nine points. Canadian Chris Boucher is going to get more playing time with uh, Marc Gasol out and a couple of blocks there by Boucher. And at the other end, Flynn to Boucher for the dunk and the Raptors in their first tune-up game of the season, 111-100. Well, a week ago, we were saying the Seahawks should destroy the Giants. And as we all know, the uh, Giants pulled off the big upset in Seattle. Tomorrow, the Hawks welcome the 0-12 New York Jets, who are two touchdown underdogs. You'd figure the Seahawks will be ready this time, just like we figure Chanel will break it all down in the red zone. (laughs) 
After that stunning loss to the Giants at home, the Seahawks get their gimme game of the schedule, a visit from the 0-12 New York Jets. Now, in a span of a week, the Hawks went from having a 64% chance of winning the division to just 38% right now. The key for Seattle, get back on track Sunday, then set up a showdown versus the Rams in two weeks, a game which likely decides the NFC West. The Jets almost had their first win until this happened. It's been a tough season as New York is dead last in several offensive categories, including points scored, averaging just 15 points a week, and have scored 13 or fewer points in seven of their 12 games. But last week, the ground attack came to life as New York racked up 206 yards and two touchdowns, and Seattle allowed 190 yards to the Giants. Sam Darnold had a couple of touchdown throws last week and ran one in himself, but the offense caused three turnovers, an interception, and two strip sacks. And he's been sacked 25 times in just eight games this season. Now Darnold could be in for a tough one against an angry Seattle defense coming off that loss. One of the angriest Hawk has been their best player of late as Jamal Adams faces the team that drafted him, then traded him away. Adams had a game-high 11 tackles and a sack last week. He's now the NFL leader among defensive backs with seven and a half sacks in just eight games. Overall, the defense has played well, shutting out the Giants in the first half, but got torched on the ground in the second half. The offense was offensive last week. Russell Wilson was inaccurate and hesitant with his decisions, leading to an interception, a lost fumble, and five more sacks against. Now his 40 sacks against is second most in the NFL, but the Jets' passing defense is second worst, and Wilson will try to get back on track by burning that inexperienced unit. Seattle is a massive 13.5-point favorite, and here's something interesting. Since entering the league back in 1976, the Hawks have never lost a game when favored by more than 13 points, a perfect 17-0. Third round of the U.S. Women's Open from Houston, Chella Choi using the hybrid 180-yard tee ball on the par 312th using an orange ball. And that is about perfect. It's in the hole for an ace. Third one of this U.S. Women's Open, but Choi is not in contention, but she's got a hole in one. Neither is Canada's Brooke Henderson in contention. She had a horrible day, six over 77. Brooke is fifth last at nine over par. Very disappointing for her. Only two players broke par today. Ji Young Kim too had to birdie her last three holes just to make the cut yesterday and then chips in for birdie on her last hole. A four under 67 moves all the way into a tie for third at minus one. American Amy Olson, who had a hole in one on Thursday, almost Holes out from the fairway on 17, but it's a kick in birdie. Olsen even par today, three under. She's in second place. Japan's Hanako Shibuno, who had a four shot lead entering the day for par here on 18, slides it by. Still leads at four under, but it's just one better than Olsen. Only four players in the entire field are in red numbers. It is a U.S. Open, so the course is playing very tough. 
Meanwhile, Canadian Mackenzie Hughes partnered with Lanto Griffin at the 12-team QBE shootout in Naples, Florida, a fun event for the guys during the holiday season. The format today, modified alternate shot. Both players hit a tee shot. They choose one, alternate to shots as they get to the hole. Hughes with the great approach there led to birdie. Hughes and Griffin four under today, minus 18 for the tournament. They're tied for third. The leaders, though, Matt Kuchar and Harris English. Kuchar nearly jars his approach. They were 10 under today, the best by far, minus 25 for the tournament. They have a five-shot lead with one more round tomorrow. MLS Cup from Columbus, hometown crew hosting Seattle Sounders. The Sounders looking for their third championship in five years, but the crew get the early jump. 25th minute, Lucas Zellerian just squeezes it past Stefan Fry. That's one that uh, Fry would like to have back. 1-0 crew, and just four minutes later, the crew get another Derek Etienne. Perfectly placed inside the far post. It is 2-0 Columbus at the half. English Premiership, Everton and Chelsea opening half. Chelsea goalkeeper Edward Mendy fouls Everton's Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the box. Bowls him over. Penalty awarded to Everton. And it'll be the veteran from Iceland, Gilfie Sigurdsson, who will slot it in for the only goal of the match. Big win for Everton, who are now 7th with 20 points, tied with Man United, who had a dull nil-nil draw with Man City today. Bundesliga. Alfonso David is uh, in the starting 11, as he was in Champions League midweek, but his first league game since hurting his ankle seven weeks ago. Bayern was down 1-0 to Union Berlin, but they equalize in the 67th. Who else but Robert Lewandowski? That's his 175th Bundesliga goal for Bayern in 200 matches. Now that's production. It ends 1-1. Bayern still in first place in the Bundesliga. What was that, league? The Bundesliga? The Bundesliga. I always feel I have to duck my shoulders when I say it. The <laughs> yeah. Bundesliga. I know, you do. It is a fun name. I agree. I agree with you. You should try it at home, but practice. <laughs> practice first. In front first. of a mirror. Yeah. Exactly. Barry, thank you so much. <laughs> Okay, we're all here. Yvonne, you're going to like this one. A lot of us love animals, but one dog lover has put her money where her, well, where her heart is. A woman in Syria cares for thousands of dogs in a shelter she built with money she raised by selling her home. Annie Orphalian cares for more than 3,500 dogs she rescued from the streets of Damascus. After selling her house, she built the shelter on rented land. She, along with 12 volunteers, give them food, shelter, and love. In her words, they have the right to live just like us, and they need to eat. <laughs> Truer words, never spoken. I have to say, the doggies all get along pretty well. They, they seem do. pretty happy there. No they... one's fighting with each other. It's not like a big prison yard or anything like that. It's 
it seems quite nice. It's what happens when you're happy, I yeah. guess. That's the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11 o'clock. Stay with us now for Donna Friesen and the new reality. Have a good night.